and welcome to your RAF Mildenhall Protestant Parish Podcast. We pray that today's message inspires and encourages your heart. Get ready for a life-changing word from the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. For those of you who are happy about it, happy Super Bowl Sunday. For those of you who are not, uh, which I'm in that, in that number, better luck next time. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Amen. For two of you out there, God is good, isn't he? Amen. Let's get right into the word. We're going to start in a word of prayer real quick, and then we'll get right into it. Father, eternal God, we thank you for your presence and for your power that's already here, God. We thank you for your faithfulness towards us, Father God, and we thank you, Father, that you are the Lord of all, God. We thank you for forgiveness of sin, God. We thank you for this opportunity to declare your word. Now, God, speak through me, Father God. Use my vocal cords, use my mind, my spirit, my entire being uh, to feed these, your people, God. Use my vocal cords so that your voice may be heard and felt. Speak, O God, today with clarity and boldness, articulation and speech. Use my mind in Jesus' name that God's people say amen. Amen. Uh, This is more of a teaching uh, message than anything else. But if you know me, preaching is going to come in there somewhere. So let's get right into it. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version the English Standard Version. And it reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For a little while, we'll be speaking from the topic, Grace Relations. Grace relations. Many times uh, we view the Bible from a westernized viewpoint. While this is completely understandable, um, we, we should remember that while the Bible is in fact the infallible word of God, it is the mind of God, it is uh, the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth, it is also a history book. Today's scripture will be used as a scalpel to dissect our way into the origin of grace. And before I go a little bit further, I want you today, as uh, I begin talking or we begin speaking, I want you to listen to the parallels of the relationship between God and man through grace and faith. As we talk about grace from a historical and cultural aspect in the time in which the apostles, more specifically the apostle Paul, is writing. So as we put on our goggles, let's prepare to change our westernized view to a first century Greco-Roman perspective. This was the era in which Paul and the other apostles and the New Testament writers lived and worked. We will not redefine grace but rather broaden our understanding of how it was used during this period and what it means for us today. 
this word grace in the Greek is translated charis. And so in those days, they wouldn't say grace because that wasn't their native language. They would say charis. But for us today, I'll be, saying, I'll be using both interchangeably just for you to note and know that they're both are the same. It's just a translation. And so in the time of Jesus and the apostles, a system known as patronage existed in the Roman Empire. Right here in the 21st century, this, would, this word would invoke underhanded gifts obtained in an unsavory way as in political patronage, where gifts may be bestowed in exchange for illegal or inappropriate acts. Patronage generally meant something far different than how we may view it today. In this patronage system, when the word charis or grace was heard, the citizens of the Roman Empire would have understood it positively. In addition to meaning gifts of an undeserved nature, a situation involving grace or charis would typically have been regarded as a good relationship with lasting mutual benefits, expectations, and a new set of powerful dynamics. I hope you're catching the parallel as I go through this. During this period, grace was a powerful relationship between the giver of gifts and the recipients of those gifts. I'm going to say that one more time because I want you to see the parallel between God and man, through this, even through this culture here. During this period, grace was a powerful relationship between a giver of gifts, God, and the recipients of those gifts, you and I. A commoner seeking financial assistance or similar help, such as securing a job, could perhaps find a wealthy person to enter into relationship with involving, uh, in re in, enter into relationship involving grace, the giving of undeserved benefit or gift from the greater person to the lesser. Hope y'all picking up what I'm putting down. The person providing the money or support was then known as the patron. The person receiving the money or support was then known as the client. The relationship between the patron and the client was a commitment not to be taken lightly. All right, so just to see if y'all picking up what I'm putting down, pop quiz, who's the patron in the text? God. Who's the client in the text? You and I, I gave you the answer, so you got it. So when I say patron, y'all know I'm talking about God. When I say client, who am I talking about? There you go, straight-A students. So the relationship, first of all, was not taken lightly. In this culture of patronage, this system, when the greater person was providing for the lesser, this was a relationship that was a, a lifelong relationship, and it was taken extremely serious, extremely serious. The relationship was based on mutual trust and loyalty. The client was expected to show respect and gratitude to the patron and, the, and to render certain services <laughs> to him. This grace would be made with the understanding that the gift could never be repaid back. 
the expectation of the patron <laughs> was, the, was that the client would maintain a high level of loyalty, amen, loyalty and gratitude toward the patron. Are y'all catching this? I'm reshaping the mind to see grace how Paul and the apostles meant it in their time. So when they spoke of grace, this was the, this was the global understanding of the meaning of grace. It was a part of their culture through the system of patronage. Are you understanding? So when, they, when Paul talked about grace, they understood that what this meant. It meant for them, when they heard the word grace, a relationship with God that we couldn't play with. It meant for them a commitment that, would, that should last and will last a lifetime. Let's, let's move a little bit further. So the expectation of the patron was that the client would remain, maintain a high level of loyalty and gratitude toward the patron. This aspect of their relationship was contained in the Greek word pistis, which means faith. Don't, don't miss this. In other words, a client under the Roman patronage system would receive a gift, grace, like, that likely could never be fully repaid in money or goods. So the client's role was to exhibit and demonstrate faithful loyalty in including public demonstrations of gratitude. So when you and I are in worship, ah, Lord, help me right here. It is almost an insult for you not to show some sense of public display of your gratitude to him. Trying to help somebody. You can be silent, but something ought to be happening on the inside of you that says, Lord, I appreciate you. I appreciate the gifts, the grace, the mercy that every time you save me, every time you look out for me, I appreciate who you are to me because that is my responsibility. That is my response to Karis. So there's no such thing. I know you, you've heard it before. There's no such thing as free grace. I just messed somebody's theology up. Because you thought because he freely gave it to you, that was it. No, you have a responsibility. The payment for grace is your faith. How are you paying? How are you paying him back for all that he's done for you? Is your faith, who? Is your faith silent or can others hear it or see it? The response is pistis, it's, it's faith. This is the, ex the exercise of pistis, of faith, that reflects grateful trust, a powerful, energetic, living belief that the patron, God, will actually do what he promises to do. Because in this culture, this system of patronage, the, the patron had a full responsibility to make sure that all the needs of the client was taken care of. And the only thing that the patron required was that the client remain faithful. See, see God is not asking for anything hard. He just wants you to be faithful. Don't cheat on him by having your will your way. He says, can you just be faithful? This is grace relations right here. He just wants to know, can you, can you be faithful? 
So, 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 now, so now when we look at the text, we see God's greatest expression of love through the immeasurable gift of his grace. He provides us with something that we could never, ever repay. I love, I love what John Wesley, the way John Wesley puts grace. He says, he says this about grace. Grace is, there's a such thing as provisional grace. This is the grace that goes before me. This is the grace that saved me from myself. This is the grace that kept me in my right mind when I should have went crazy. This is the grace from me kept, that kept me from telling you all. This is the grace. This is the grace that kept me in my right mind. This is the grace that healed me when my body was sick. It's provisional grace. This is the grace that goes before me. This is the grace that kept, that kept you out of that car accident. It's the grace that kept, you, kept your tongue in your mouth and your mouth closed when you know you wanted to say something that, that would have gotten you in deep trouble. This is provisional grace. Somebody say provisional grace. Provisional grace. This grace in this context of our text could also be understood as power. Because one thing that's good about God's grace, not only does it offer salvation, but it secures it. Once you've given yourself to him, there is nothing not even you can do to pluck yourself out of his hand. See, see, once he commits to you, he's, he's in it for the long haul. He, the Bible says, you left him. He never left you. And the prodigal son, when he left his father, he left his father. His father stayed in the same place. Oh, but when he comes back to his father, grace was waiting. With a hug, a kiss, and a robe, and a ring, waiting for him to come back home. Because grace never gives up. Grace never quits. Even when you do, grace is waiting for you to come home. Somebody needs to come home today. That wasn't in my notes. That was for free. Grace not only offers salvation, it secures it. He secured the bag. Because it's relational, the only requirement is faith. And our faith, what is faith? Faith is our trust and reliance upon Christ Jesus and is the only means by which one can obtain salvation. But not only does he give us the grace, does he give us the gift of grace, he supplies the faith needed to believe. Okay. It's one thing I learned about God a long time ago. He will never require of you what he didn't already give to you. So if you need peace, he's already given you peace. You just have to believe him for it. Everything you ever needed from him is already done. That's, the, that's what we call the finished work of the cross. If you was here with me about a month ago when I talked about Tetelestai, the, the, it is finished. Everything God ever needed to do is already done. You just have to have the faith to believe that the grace that he's already provided is already there for you in your time of need. But just to prove my point, Romans 12, 3 says this, for by grace... Given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of, your, of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each one according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So he gives you the thing that you need to be successful. In other words, he gives you what you need to be victorious. He gives you what you need when you feel like you're in lack. He gives you the thing that you need when no one else is around to help you or to, to push you through or to motivate you or to encourage you. He says, whatever you need, I've given you the faith to get you there. 
It's a full tank of gas. All you got to do is get in the car and drive. He said, I've given you, I've given you, I've given you every single thing that you need. We're going we're gonna to go back to the future with that same text in just a minute. This leads me to verse 8. Because watch what verse 8 says. By, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. I know you a bad mamma jamma, but, 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 uh, but, but you didn't do this thing. You, everything that you ever attained, all your achievements, it's only happened because and by and through your faith in his grace. It is the gift of God. Remember that we are the client and we couldn't save ourselves. And the, and the sufficiency is in his grace, not your ability or your gift. Because at any moment, your gift could be taken away. At any moment, something can happen that, is, that you're no longer to operate in the way you normally operate. Ask any, any, any pro athlete. Or any athlete who had a, a, a sustaining injury that, that injured their career. Anything can happen, but because of his grace, you're able to get to and be all that you can be in him. Verse 9, verse 9 says this, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Uh, can we go back to the future, to Romans 12 and 3, where it says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think? That lines up with the boasting in verse 9. Because you can't think it's all about you. You can't think that it's your ability that got you where you are. You're smart, but who gave you the brain that you have? Mm -hmm. You have wit, you have ingenuity, you have all these things. That's good, that's great. He says, but don't you dare boast about it because you're operating, watch this, out of the patronage system. You only have what you have because I gave it to you. And nothing more and nothing less. You only, you, you are who you are because I allowed you to get there. You're operating out of my grace. That's why he says his grace is sufficient. Not you. Not your ability is sufficient. It's his grace that's sufficient. Uh, let, let's jump. Let's jump. I want, I got, the Lord showed me something actually a little while before I got up here. He, he showed me something about Paul. Paul, concerning his thorn in the flesh, when Paul asked the Lord to remove it, his response was, my grace, God's response was, my grace is sufficient. But the Lord showed me this. He said, what happened with Paul is I replaced his insufficiency with my sufficiency. Can I tell you that's what he's doing for you? Where in your life do you see God poking? Or let me flip it. What is poking you right now? Is it anxiety? Is it stress? Is it a lack of something that you, you feel that you need that you don't have? What is poking you? He says, wherever your insufficiency is, my grace replaces it with sufficiency. Because everything you need is inside the box of grace. What is grace? Grace is a gift. We talked about that. When you have a gift, if I give you a gift, a box, and it's nicely wrapped up. Y'all have seen, seen people do those little pranks and those little jokes where they give you a box, and you open it up, and there's another box inside of a box, inside of a box, all to get to one thing inside, right at the bottom. And it's usually this little bitty tiny box with something inside. Sometimes it's something you want. Sometimes it's a gag. But the wonderful thing about grace is it's this huge box. That no matter how many times you open it, 
there's something in there for you in each and every box on the inside of the box is on the inside of that box was on the inside of that box. And what you find at the bottom is Jesus off the cross. What you find at the bottom is him sitting at the right hand of the Father, resurrected and with all power at his hands. Watch this, because of you. What you find at the bottom is grace being birthed through the blood of the cross. That's what you find at the bottom. But on your way there, he's providing you all that you need. Healing, he says, I got it for you right there. It's finished on the cross. I gave it to you already. But all you have to do is believe. Pistis. Do you believe? Where is your faith? A pastor a long time ago preached, preached a sermon called Give Faith a Job. Are you putting faith to work or have you fired it? Or is it retired? Is it unemployed? It's time to employ your faith. Just believe. That's all you need. You don't have to go run and do anything. Sit right where you are and believe that the work is already done, that the grace is already provided for you. Praise team, you can, you can come up in, in closing. Verse 14 of chapter 2 in Ephesians, Jesus says, or the word says, for he himself is our peace. For he himself is our peace. But I want to tell you, it's, it's time for you and I to rest in the peace of his grace. The closer you get to him, the more peace and rest you'll have. The closer you get to him, the less worry will overtake your mind. The closer you get to him, anxiety and all those pressures of the world that are valid will begin to leave. Because if he's closer to you, the closer you are to him, you can begin to magnify him and not the problem. That's why David said, oh, magnify the Lord. Not your stuff. Through your faith. Last scripture I want to leave with you. Hebrews 11 and 6. And without faith. Thank you Lord. It is impossible. To please him. For whoever would draw near to God. Must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those. Who seek him. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. He's not asking you for your money. He's not requiring anything from you that he's, he has not already given to you. He says, if you really want to please me, start believing again. Huh. Somebody's lost their faith. You used to believe your faith used to be so strong. Man, people used to come to you and say, man, I, I wish I could believe like you. And you've, you've lost your faith. Where did it go? Where did you drop your faith? I'm going to tell you right now, it's okay that you dropped it. Today, you can pick it right back up at the cross. It's waiting for you. Because without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. But with it. 
is possible. You can live a limitless life if you only activate your relationship with him. This is relational grace. Pick your faith back up and go to him and watch God do Pray that you are inspired and encouraged today. Join us next week for another life-changing experience.